Good morning, family, and welcome also from my side. Those of you who are visiting us this morning, my name is Jonathan. It's a great privilege for me to be able to share today's message with you. And what a great privilege that is, that we, as we gather here, know that God is busy throughout the world, and in a small way, we can be part of something happening in Malawi, part of something happening in Kampala, part of something happening in the Netherlands, in Maputo. Um, what a great privilege. May we never forget that God has called us to more than just being in this building. We are busy with a series called Abide. So if you're new to our church, you're visiting us this morning for, uh, as an every nation international spiritual family, every beginning of the year, all our churches throughout the world preach on the same theme over certain Sundays. And today, this theme of Abide is the idea behind this is as we abide, remain in the Word of God, that we will discover the power and beauty of God's Word. And that we'll discover the strength in God's Word. And now that Word would transform us. Two weeks ago we started uh, and we looked at the Word became flesh. And last week Wesley preached on how the Word gives life. And today we're going to continue. And the way we're preaching through the series, we're looking at specific accounts in the book of John. Where Jesus is mentioned as the Word. And today we're going to continue and we're going to look at a specific encounter where um, Jesus is feeding people. And today's sermon is entitled, The Word Feeds Us, Feeds Our Soul. Now this week, my kids uh, at their school, they have these themes every week or most weeks. I don't know if um, most of you who have children in school knows or also does this. But their theme this week was healthy living. I don't know if the school was trying to sell, tell something to the parents or it was just genuine uh, educational purposes, but it was healthy living. And part of what they had to do this week, they had to watch a specific film. Uh, I think some of you have seen it before. Uh, that Sugar Film. Have you seen it? That Sugar Story, I think is the right name. Um, just type in That Sugar and it will pop up. Um, but the basic idea behind this film is this one guy... Um, studied what would be the impact on his body of he, if he consumed large amount of sugar daily. And it's really interesting. Uh, if you have time, go and look at this um, documentary, basically, of the effects of too much sugar on your body. All the physiological changes that will take place. And I was looking at this, and I was thinking, yeah, what an incredible way we're designed. How literally what we put into ourselves through food will determine how our body reacts and responds. Determines our energy levels, determines uh, not just our blood pressure and our cholesterol, but the way we act and operate, our concentration, our, even our emotions. And it's just incredible to think that we're designed in such a way that the food that we eat has such a big impact on us, on our bodies. Have you ever eaten something that's off? This is great if you have great food. There's a certain experience that comes from that. But if you've eaten something that is off, it starts with your mouth eating, but it affects your whole body. And it can affect your whole household and your family. That's the power of uh, what we eat. What you put in will affect your body. Now, in the same way, what we feed our souls 
will determine how we live. Just as food has such a big impact on our physical bodies, so our spiritual food will have a massive effect on how we live. So pausing for a moment this morning, what are you feeding your soul? What are you feeding your soul? Most of us are so mindful of what we eat daily, but are we similarly mindful of what we're feeding our souls? Some of us might be sitting here and you're wondering, what am I feeding my soul? Maybe my soul's malnourished. Maybe you're feeding your soul a cup of, couple of junk stuff, and it's affecting your life. So this morning, we're going to look at the Word that feeds our soul. How does the Word feed our soul? And we're going to do this by looking at a scripture in John 6. So if you have your Bible with you, we're going to stick to this scripture. We're going to look at a couple of verses in uh, the book of John chapter 6. Now to give you a bit of background before we read this together, it's important that we understand what is happening here. Just before this encounter... Jesus is teaching to a large group of people. It's estimated that there's 12,000 people that came to listen to Jesus. And while Jesus is teaching uh, this group of people, 12,000 people, um, at one stage he turns to his disciples and he tells them and he asks them, where are we going to get food to feed all these people? And you can imagine that the disciples are scurrying and wondering, what are we going to do? Jesus turned to us. But, and the best solution that they can bring to Jesus to feed 12,000 people is five loaves and a couple of fishes. Hopefully, in Sunday school, you did this story. Here they come with these small amount of food. And then Jesus takes this little offering that they're bringing. And he does something so significant that it's the only miracle that's recorded in all four gospel accounts. What happened in this moment was so significant, nobody wanted to forget it. Jesus took this small amount of food, he prayed over it, and he started to divide it and hand it out to the disciples for them to distribute to the other people. And then we learn from this miracle that Jesus took this small amount of food and eventually fed all 12,000 people. And when everybody had enough, Jesus said, gather what's left. So not just did Jesus provide into their needs, but he gave more than what was needed. And after the disciples went around, they gathered everything that was left, there was 12 baskets full of food still left from a small offering. Incredible. Everybody was talking about this. Nobody wanted to forget this moment. Something so significant. Can you imagine sitting there in the crowd, you're hearing Jesus there in the front, he's praying something, he's got a small amount of food, and you're wondering, well, I wonder if I'm going to get something. And after you've had more than enough to eat, they're still left. Now, after this incredible encounter, great miracle, Jesus tells his disciples, let's get away from here, let's retreat and be on our own. The next morning, the people that were there that ate from this miracle food, woke up and they realized Jesus is not there. And now they pursue Jesus and they try to find him. That's where our story starts this morning. Okay, so let's pray together before we read this. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that today can be a moment where you feed our souls. 
And Lord, I pray that you would align my words and the sermon this morning, that it will be in line with your will, that you would minister to our hearts and make your word come alive to us, Lord. I pray that your truth will impact our hearts, our minds, and our souls this morning in such a way that we'll be satisfied in you and that we'll live from your presence with our souls restored and filled to fulfillment in you. We pray this in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So John 6 verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are, looking for, you're, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Now imagine yourself for a moment in this situation. You're in this group of people and you're searching for Jesus and now you find Jesus and you come to Jesus and you're like, Jesus, we're, we're searching for you. And how does Jesus respond to you? No, you're not. No, you're not. You're just hungry. You're not looking for me. You're not trying to find out what I'm doing, what I'm busy with. You're not here to learn from me. You're just hungry. You want me to feed you. That's what Jesus is saying. You're not here because of what you saw. You're here because you ate yesterday. And now you're hungry again. This is what's happening in this moment. They're hungry, and they want Jesus to feed them. Now, how often do we as people only seek Jesus for our own benefits and needs? We only seek Jesus. We only look to find Jesus when we are in need. Look how Jesus responds to them. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him, God the Father has placed His seal of approval. So Jesus is using this moment and He's trying to, to turn their attention away from, don't get so stuck with your temporal, uh, momentary needs, but rather desire that what has eternal effect. But hunger is a powerful thing. Let's be honest. Think of the last time that you were really hungry. For some of us, that was last week during the fast. It's a fairly recent memory. What happens to you when you are really, really hungry? When you haven't had food for a while? Who, who will be honest? Some, some of us get hangry. You're like impossible to live with. Everything is bad. You're it's just like, ah, angry. Some of us are so dependent on food, you lose all energy and passion in your life. You're like, Ugh. can't do anything until I eat. Some of us, when you're so hungry, it's so powerful that you lose all self-control. And whatever you see in front of you, you just gulp that. I know when we fast, there's this warning. Whenever you're going to break your fast, if you fast it from food, do it steady and don't just grab and eat anything. Just prepare your stomach. I don't know anybody that does that. If you fast it for a week and when Friday night comes, it's like, bring me the biggest pizza in the house. You just, it's all self-control. 
Because hunger is a powerful thing. And Jesus is using this natural desire and need for food to teach them something. And Jesus is trying to convey to them, just like our bodies needs and desires food for fulfillment, so our souls need and crave fulfillment that can only be satisfied in God. Just as you're craving for this food, so your soul is craving for something that can only be found in God. Jesus is essentially saying to them, don't dedicate your life to these temporary things. These things are important, but you won't find satisfaction in them. Devote yourselves to God and find your satisfaction in Him. But how do they respond to Him? Verse 28. Then they ask Him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Now at first glimpse, this looks like such a noble question. What must we do for God? But if you look carefully, they still don't understand what Jesus is trying to teach them. They are still just focused on getting physical food. They are essentially telling Jesus, what do we need to do for you to give us bread? See, this question is loaded with self-sufficiency and entitlement. Tell us what we must do to get what we want. And it's so broad and similar to the consumerism mindset that most of us face every day. We were looking for quick fixes. What is the cheapest and most efficient thing that I can do to get what I want as quick as possible? What's the What's the best way, the cheapest way, the quickest way to get that out, what I want? It's loaded with self, um, self-sufficiency and entitlement. Just tell us what we need to do to get what we want. This is how they're approaching Jesus. And there's a danger that this might be the way that we approach God. We only approach Him when we need something, and when we need it, we want to know what we have to do for you to perform. And if God doesn't do it, then we get upset and discouraged. There's a danger that we might do similar or act similar like this crowd. But knowing this, knowing how they are Approaching him, knowing what's happening in their hearts. This is what Jesus tells them. This is what Jesus says when they ask, what must we do? He answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one who he has sent. So if you want to do something, if you want to find this bread, if you want to um, receive that what you're craving for, this is what you need to do. You need to believe in the one who was sent. This is really interesting because we know that they believe that Jesus can multiply bread, that Jesus can provide. So they know what Jesus can do. So what is Jesus referring to when he says believe? It's not a belief in what Jesus can do. It's a belief in who Jesus is. 
See, there's a big difference in believing what God can do and believing who God is. There's a big, big difference between these two things. See, if you only believe in what God can do, you will only approach God when you need something. And you will serve God with the expectation to always receive something. And there will be a subtle expectation that God will submit to your will and give you what you want. Because He is good and He's full of love. And I know what He can do. But if you believe in who God is, your whole life changes. It's completely different. Because if He's really God and you believe it, then your life must reflect it. Doesn't make sense if you say, there's this almighty God who's all powerful, but He's willing to give His life for us, and He was willing to die for our sins. He gives us new life, and He offers up new life in relationship with Him, and He's just worthy to be praised and worthy to be followed, and there's no one like Him, but I'm just not going to demonstrate it through my life. That doesn't make sense. See, if you really believe who God is, your life will reflect it. And you don't just believe what he can do, but you believe who he is. That he's the king of kings. You say, I'll follow you. That changes everything. See, now, not only does your life reflect it through obeying him and following him and seeking his will, but you also submit your will to his sovereign will. And that's difficult. When life is tough and difficult and doesn't work out the way that we think or trust or hope for, to still choose to say, God, you're God and I'm not. Your ways are higher than my ways. My understanding is limited to time and space where you are outside of time. I still choose to trust you. Submit to your will. Now we serve God with the motive to honor him rather than expecting something back. Because if he's the king of kings, then he deserves to be served. Then it's not so much about what's in it for me. It's more about who he is and what he deserves. See, believing what God can do and believing in who God is, is completely different. These people knew that, they, that Jesus can give them bread, but they still not did not believe that he is the son of God. So this morning we need to ask, do you follow and seek Jesus because of what he can do for you or because of who he is? If you had to have an honest assessment of your life, do you seek and follow Jesus because of what he can do or because of who he is? But this story takes a turn for the worse. Verse 30. Jesus tells them, you have to believe, then you will receive. And this is how they respond. What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Here's an idea, Jesus. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread. From heaven to eat. This is an incredible 
moment. Jesus, we really, really want to believe in you. But you're going to have to prove yourself. Again. What can you do for us? What can you do for us? So many people are expecting God to prove himself to them before they will follow him. What can you do for us? If you could ask Jesus today any question, what would you ask him? What would you ask for? What do you want from Jesus? Here these people stand in front of Jesus, the Son of God. And they can ask anything, and yet they choose to ask that he prove himself by giving them bread. This is an extraordinary account, extraordinary request. If you take an account that they just the day before, they experienced Jesus providing miracle food for them to eat. Their approach to Jesus is absolutely self-centered. And just about them. And there are three important things that I believe we can learn from their approach towards Jesus. Firstly, moments or emotional experiences with Jesus will not necessarily build lasting faith. Yesterday they had an emotional experience with Jesus that will not necessarily build lasting faith. And so often... We run from one spiritual experience to the next spiritual experience, the one emotional high to the next one. We go to this worship service, we go to that prophetic action, and we run from these emotional, driven, which is great moments, but spiritual moments with Jesus will not bring lasting faith. Lasting faith is only found in daily abiding and walking with Jesus. It's going through the difficult moments of life. It goes through the moments of disappointment, holding on to the words of Jesus. That builds lasting faith, not experiences. The second thing that we see, our sinful hearts are more self-centered than what we would like to realize or admit. Our sinful nature are inclined to self-centeredness and entitlement. And it's something that we have to guard against and and be aware of. Our hearts are more self-centered. Our sinful hearts are more self-centered than what we realize or would like to admit. And lastly, Jesus has already proven himself. He's already shown himself to be who he says he is. There's nothing that Jesus can do more. He can do more. But there's nothing that he needs to do more. He already became man. He lived a life that we could never live, a sinless life and a complete dependence on the Father, sinless. Honored God in everything that he did and so much so willing to die for our sins in our place and took the penalty of sin upon himself and he he died. Through the power of God, he was resurrected three days later. What greater proof do we need that he is the son of God. He's already proven himself to be who he says he is. Verse 32. 
This is how Jesus responds to them. Very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the, the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to this world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. This is a pivotal moment in this conversation. Jesus tells them, it wasn't Moses that gave you bread. It is the Father. It's the Father that provided. And what he's really saying is, don't think of me like a Moses, like just another prophet. Rather think of me as the manna that the Father is providing for your soul. See, when Israel was in the desert, God sent physical manna, physical bread from heaven. It was to fill and sustain them daily. It provided for their natural needs, and they had to pick it up daily from the desert and eat from it. But even though God provided in this way, and even though all of them ate, they hungered again, and eventually they died. See, God's provision for His people through manna was a picture of, of what God was going to do through Jesus. God sent bread from heaven in the life of Jesus. He's the bread of life that came from heaven. And He's the one that ultimately satisfies and sustains our souls. He is the ultimate provision for our spiritual needs. And daily, we need to eat from Him. Daily, we need to choose to put our faith in Him and believe Him. And follow Him as Lord. And as we submit our lives to Him daily. So we live from His presence. And we walk into this new life. Which is eventually an eternal life. And Jesus the bread of life is standing in front of them. And He said. I am what you've been waiting for. I am what you need. And in each one of us there's a hunger and a thirst in our souls. Just like our body craves certain things, so our soul, our spirit craves certain things. Maybe it's in a desire to be loved, a desire to feel successful, a desire to be accepted, a desire to feel my life matters, a desire to feel important and significant. Just maybe it's just a desire to be happy and to feel safe. But each one of us has a need and a desire deep in our souls, a hunger. How are you trying to feed that hunger? How are you trying to feed the need of your soul? Maybe it's through relationships, through other people through the way that people speak about you, with you, where you're invited to, where you're not invited to. Maybe it's through money. There's so many things that we try to feed our soul with. What are you feeding your soul with? Maybe it's substances. Look better, feel better. Maybe alcohol. Maybe sex. What are you trying to feed your soul with? The scripture goes on in verse 57. 
Again, Jesus is saying, just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on the bread will live forever. This leaves us with the ultimate question this morning. How do we feed on Jesus? And the answer is the same for us as this answer was for these people. How do we feed on Jesus daily? Feeding on Jesus is believing. Believing He is the Son of God and aligning our lives with this reality. It's to daily know Him through His words. Being in His words. Knowing who Jesus is. And then responding to Jesus. Living the life that testifies that He is the Son of God. Not just a Savior on the cross, but the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. That He is my Lord. And we respond every day through obedience, trust, faith, and repentance towards Him. And our lives start to show what we believe. And we submit to His will. We seek His will and put Him first. See, just when, if we, if we take the metaphor of food, if you take food and you eat it, it becomes part of who you are. It becomes part of your body. Similarly, if we eat on Jesus, if you take Jesus and embrace Him as Lord daily and you follow Him, obey Him, trust Him, and seek His will, you put Him in. Like food becomes part of our body, so Jesus becomes part of who we are and what we do. And we feed on Jesus. So this morning we conclude by asking, what are you feeding your soul? Are you malnourished? Are you feeding your soul with the junk of this world? Or are you willing to respond to the invitation to the bread of life? Jesus says, I've already given everything you can eat from me. Do you believe God for what He can do or for who He is? Because this morning is a moment where we can turn to Him and say, God, I want to follow you for who you are. So let's close our eyes. And I want to give us a minute where you prayerfully ask, God, what am I trying to feed my soul? What am I trying to find satisfaction in for my soul? And just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And it's a simple prayer. Maybe you don't know. It's as simple as asking, God, would you come and reveal to me? Lord, as we do this, I pray that you would now, through your Spirit, speak to us. Show us what are the things that we're feeding on. And if you experienced something this morning, if you're seeing things that's trying to feed your soul, would you pray with me? Say, God, I'm sorry. In this moment, I want to repent of trying to find satisfaction for my soul in so many of these things. And maybe you can name those things. Name 
that relationship, that desire, that money, whatever that might be, and say, God, I'm laying it down this morning, and I'm choosing to believe. I'm believing you, not just for what you can do, but for who you are. And this morning again, Lord, I'm choosing to put my faith and trust in you as the Lord of Lords. And I pray now that you would strengthen me, that you would satisfy my soul, and that you would help me to live a life that honors you, that declares that you are who you say you are. Lord, I want to feed from you. I want to live from you, Lord, and I believe that you are the Son of God. May you help me to daily live from your presence. And as I do this, Lord, may you bring a satisfaction and a joy and a fulfillment like nothing else in this world. I choose to trust you follow you Lord Jesus I pray this and ask this in your name Amen